We are recording. Okay. Um, so just just start with telling me about how you got into D and D. The whole your whole story, however you want to tell it. Okay. Well, the very first time I was introduced to it at all, role playing games, was um, in 1973 um, at tech school for dog handling law enforcement school in the Air Force. Two of my roommates uh, were playing a game they called uh, Allies and Axis, which we now find out has absolutely nothing to do with the one that's on the market. Um, and I watched them and they tried to encourage me to play and I said, no, I'm having much more fun watching you, you two guys beat your heads together. Can you describe that game in detail? like? Well, um, most of the game, the guy that was playing the allies was losing until they, uh, the Axis guy finally invaded Australia and the United States. At that point, both the Americans and the Australians went into guerrilla warfare. And... Uh, Guerrilla warfare was accounted for in the rules of the game. Yep. Okay. And uh, they the, definitely not Axis and allies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, it, it wasn't called guerrilla warfare. It was just called, "You want my guns? Come take them." Yeah. You know, and which is the essence of guerrilla warfare. Okay. But um, anyway, um, the guy who had the Axis says. I won. I won. Um, you you don't have an army. You don't have uh, the government. You don't have this. You don't have that. So I've won. He said, "No, not until you get all of us to say that you have." And it was just so funny watching them play. Also, reason why I did not want to play. <laughs> That was the very first experience I had, and that game took a week. Yeah, that sounds like Axis and Allies, though. <laughs> okay. But there's lots of other games like that, too. So. Okay, and then the second time I was exposed to it, my brother uh, was getting married and needed some time with his uh, future wife and asked that I would go with her brother uh, to a party to get me to leave my brother alone. Um, this was um, right after I got home from my mission, and um, which would have been 1980. And um, I got the drift, so I went to the party. The party was a D&D game, and it was actually Dungeons & Dragons 3rd uh, Edition. And well, I wouldn't well, it was... What was the color of the book? Dark brown. Brown. It was the big, thick one. Uh, Advanced Dungeons and okay, Dragons. Okay, so it was the first... Okay, yeah. Which you could count as third edition. Well, it's first edition, but technically you could say it's third because there was original, and then there was the Holmes book. Yes. And then there was AD&D. Yes. Which called itself first edition. Yeah, which wasn't. But yeah, technically, yeah, you could say it's the third game. 
Yes, it was the third game. And uh, rather than roll a character up for me, he just handed me a character sheet pre-rolled. And I was not the highest level character, but I had I was a um, knight who had uh, really good plate mail armor, uh, a really, really good sword, horseback style sword. He called it a, he didn't call it a bastard sword, but he called it something else. And it had a really long blade, almost um, the length of a two-handed sword. And then uh, I, and that's all I had. I didn't have arrows or anything else. So I was the upfront fighter. And uh, I was at fourth level and Everybody else stood back while I went up front and just slaughtered everything. And if something was going to get me from behind, the entire party would then focus in on that one um, entity. And usually cleaned out that one while I was cleaning out four to five at a time. Between my horse kicking, biting, jumping, and all that other stuff, and me with my sword or my lance, either way, uh, anything I came up close to was down. For some reason, I was definitely, even you, though they were... You were, you were rolling good. I was rolling good, very good. Um, and it was really exciting because... Everybody's telling me, oh, that was a great roll. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was this, that was that. And just really getting me excited about it. And uh, finally, it was time to go to bed for him because he was like 15, <laughs> the dungeon master. And so he decided rather than just cut it and everybody count up your experience points and go home, uh, he decided to kill everybody off. And so these uh, entities, whatever they were, um, I don't remember all of what was in it, but I know that uh, they started killing people off, starting with the thief and the magic user, and then working their way up. And the last area, there were only three of us, I think it was the cleric, me, and a um, berserker. And we stumbled in to an area that was uh, prehistoric. So, Tyrannosaurus Rex, Brontosaurus, all of them were there. Okay. And at that point, um, a Tyrannosaurus peeked around a corner and swiftly took out the Berserker and was headed for the um, Cleric. Um, just in time to get lanced by me. And I rolled a natural 20. And with my horse in full charge and me with a, um, an 18-25 strength, we skeered him very soundly. And he was dead. Um, and then a, a brontosaurus came around the corner and stepped on my cleric. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was walking. 
So, you know, it was easy. She wasn't paying attention. I, on the other hand, saw that and flew into a berserk rage of a knight, thus losing my knighthood in the process. And, um, oh, because I was not just a knight, I was a... Um, paladin? A paladin, yes. And uh, so losing my paladin stuff, I went into a full berserk rage and went and tried to skewer the um, brontosaurus. And yes, the lance did go in, but have you ever seen the size of a brontosaurus? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a pinprick. And uh, he swung around. And Wait, he, when did Jurassic Park come out? That was I, in the 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, he swung around and hit me with his tail, knocked me off my horse, killing the horse. And um, so I got up and got my two-handed sword and started whacking his toenails off. <laughs> and he came down with the other foot and squished me. And um, I thought that might be a fun game. Never touched it again, though, until I got married and found out that uh, all of my wife's best friends, husbands, loved D&D. And they played um, the box set, the originals. The, the original red box. Red and blue that, boxes. That's called... The, the magenta box now. Yes. It's not the red box that we have. It's the earlier red box. Yes. The 1981 red box, right? Yes. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, they got they rolled up a character for me. His name was Gurgeon. Don't ask me why. I just picked something weird on purpose. He was a um, elf who was a thief which meant he had some magical abilities, but he was able to steal. Now, I've looked over that book since, and there's no way that you can have an elf thief with magical abilities. Yeah. Either you're a thief or you're a mage. Yeah. The fact that you're an elf doesn't make you have option of both unless you go with the um, yeah. dual class, which they did not tell me about. Otherwise, yeah. I would not have gone with the dual class. Yeah. So anyway, I was a mage thief, and I was getting beat up all the time while they were laughing, and their guys were doing good. I was more of a distraction for the other people so that my guy, my team couldn't go kill them all. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, <laughs> it was fun for them, very fun for them. And I got kind of discouraged that my, because he would get so close to dying and faint, he did not get any experience points for killing. Because at that time, whoever dealt the killing blow got the experience points. Yeah. And um, I wanted to get experience points. So they convinced me that if you don't like the way the game is played, maybe you should become a dungeon master. Of this course was, they would do that. This was their way of making sure none of them had to be the DM, and I did. So I took about six months reading up, learning all about it, and then we finally had our first game, which was um, uh, 
the one with all the mushrooms in it? Um, Search of the Unknown. Search of the Unknown. The module? Yep. B1. Yeah. B1 in Search of the Unknown. We did that one. Um, they cleared it out. Um, I had put some extra little tidbits in there and that weren't in the book because it says that there's... It tells a, you to. Yes, that too. <laughs> and... Um, they all survived, they all loved the game, and so they wanted to do another adventure. So I said, okay, and I got up the nerve to start reading some more modules and stuff. Let's see, the second one, before I got done with the project I was working on, they handed me the, uh, um, the elf who stole the Sword of Truth. Yeah, the, yeah, okay. The, and the Sword of Justice. Sword of Justice. It's in Dragon Magazine. Right. And because that, I thought because that was such a short one, it would be an easy one to do. <laughs> and so I got all that. And then um, as we went down into the ones underneath where there, you roll up what turns in there beforehand. Um, it seems that uh, my rolling of the monsters was much higher grade than their level of characters because eventually they all died. Yeah. And uh, they thought it was a good game, but they didn't like their characters dying because those were some of their favorite characters. <laughs> and um, so we said we'd take another one. And uh, so we did the... Uh, uh, not the keep on the borderlands, but the one where the carrion crawler is just outside to the left, underneath. Well, that's that's the eighty-three red box. Okay. That's, that's the adventure in the module. I mean, in the in the rules, in the dungeon master's guide, whatever. Yeah. So I did that one, and I built that from scratch all the way out to the end, and had a uh, secret passage led out the back on the bottom. Right into a river that was kind of infested with infested with uh, crocodiles right Nile crocodiles of course yes well they didn't know that till one of them fell in and a Nile crocodile got hold of his foot and um, they were able to grab him in time and um, they only had to do a uh, major healing to make it where he could continue to walk and uh, they continued looking for the uh, wizard of that game and found him and brought him back to justice so they were happy with that game and that started my dungeon mastering okay wait there we go. Anyway, I played with them for a couple of years. And then uh, we had children, and Lynn and I moved down to uh, uh, Claremont, California, and no longer were able to play. But while at work, uh, some coworkers mentioned that they lived pretty close to us, in their opinion. Uh, they lived about 15 miles away from where we lived. Yeah, people go pretty far to play D&D. Yes, they will. 
Um, wait, so mom was playing in your earlier games? Um, no, she really didn't like it. But when I had these other friends come, then she wanted to play. And uh, she played for a while. She was a magic user and uh, did not do well. But the other three people did quite well with or without her. And uh, we played for about a year and a half. And then I uh, got let go of the job that I was in and uh, had to leave, went up to Sacramento, didn't play again until my kids were older. Um, I think Cassie was maybe seven, maybe eight. Heidi would have then been uh, six. Bridget would have been like um, three. Well, Bridget obviously wasn't playing at the time. She thought she was. <laughs> um, and then we just kept playing, adding new characters for new members of the family, like Lance and Jared. Yeah, but you forgot about me later, remember? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, when you ran that, uh, the castle from the box set, mm -hmm. you know the room with the harpies? Yeah. So, in the book it says that you shouldn't allow them into that room until their second level. So how did you handle that? Well, that was easy. Um, they were second level already? They, yeah, they were usually second level. I kind of directed them as to which way they should go. Yeah. By giving them options or not giving them options. Right. This door is locked. You don't have the ability to unlock it. Yeah. Well, see, last time I ran that dungeon, uh, back when I was at college, um, I had forgotten about the part that, oh, they have to be second level. And so I was like, okay, well, you can't open it. But then they took... Basically, they made a battery ram and burst the door open because <laughs> because I'm like, well, okay, yeah, you're going to open it that way. You yes, know? definitely. With enough force, yes, you will open it. <laughs> and so they went in. All of them were charmed except for one. And basically, the harpies made the, the ones that were charmed kill the one that wasn't charmed. Yeah. And, and, and then the harpies ate all the rest. Yep. That's how it works. There's a reason you're supposed to be second level. Yep. <laughs> Um, okay, so, um, okay, so something you kind of mentioned earlier, kind of touched on was, uh, um, so, when you played right after you got married, that was, that was like 84? Um, yeah, no, it was still 83 when we started playing. Okay, that was 83. Okay, so was it all guys? Yes. What was your experience? What was the group when you played with your with your brother, or your? My brother never played. He thought it was silly. Okay, but when you played the first time you played, was well, with my brother's your brother's friend? girlfriend's brother. Okay. <laughs> Complicated. Okay. Okay, that was totally mixed, and it was about equal. Okay. Did how was the treatment of the guys towards the girls in those games? Rather suggestive. Okay. I mean, there was proposition going on left and right. 
and these were all, shall I say, uh, minors. Yeah. And because they were role-playing, they could do anything they want. And since their characters were adults, guess what they did? Yeah. Okay. Um, that leads into the next question. Okay, were you older than most of the other people you played with? Um, because you got in the game at, what, 23? Yeah. 1980, you were 23, right? Yep. Yeah, so... No, no, 1980, I was 26. Because that's the first time you played, right, 1980? Yes. Yeah, you were 26. Okay, so... And yes, I was older than all of that group. Okay, so... And when we got, when Lynn and I got married, yes, I was older than all of those people. Okay. Because, so there's a lot of people who are online or, I mean, at other places, and... There's a lot of them that started in the early 80s or the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but they started when they were like 10 or in their <laughs> early teens. Yes. You know? Like the latest usually is like 17. Right. Um, so in comparison, you're really old. <laughs> I understand this concept. Um, I don't know. How was that for you? Like, did you, did you feel the age difference? Um, logically, oh yeah. Um, there are things that I would never have done, but they did. Which is why, oh, and some of them, especially in my, um, quote-unquote brother-in-law's group, um, they really got to the point where I started worrying about them. Because they couldn't tell and then I had read stuff uh, when I was um, working um, in the university about people who had gotten down into the um, uh, service tunnels and were playing games in those service tunnels, and one person actually came up dead yeah, the, in the uh, service tunnels. The, uh, what's it called? The, the Pulsifer case? Yes. Yeah. Which half of it, basically a private eye was hired, and then he wrote a book, and half of the stuff in the book was made up. I believe it. But anyway, that got me to thinking that this is an enjoyable game, and there are going to be people that are really stupid playing the game that will lose their minds and can't tell the difference. Um... That's when I took my level of um, of Dungeon Master a lot more seriously. And I decided that my children will probably want to play, and I'd better make sure they understand the difference between fantasy and reality. Yeah. Um, Did you see the movie Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks? No. Did you hear about it when it came out? Nope. I just now heard it for the first time. I think it was in the late 80s. Mm. It was... But yeah, it was a movie about people who played Dungeons... They didn't call it Dungeons and Dragons. They called it Mazes and Monsters because right. copyright. Right. But you didn't hear about it when it first came out? Nope. Okay. Because a lot of people in gaming hate that movie. Why is that? Well, because it portrays role-playing games and they think it portrays it in a bad light. 
because the main character, Tom Hanks, he obviously has mental issues. But in my opinion, I watched that movie a few years ago, and that movie really is not, if anything, it um, has a good view of D&D because it, it shows how he copes with D&D. That's my view of it. Okay. But most people just, they feel like, yeah, whatever. But they were alive when the movie came out, too, so whatever. Um, okay, so... Uh, okay, so you got the Sword of Justice from the Dragon magazine, but that was given to you? Yes. Um, did you have any more encounters with Dragon or Dungeon magazine? Um, they would occasionally give me their latest purchase to read and peruse. And I found that uh, most of the stuff that was in Dragon Magazine bored me. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I could probably get to three or four paragraphs of each article and then just go, okay, I don't care. What about Dungeon Magazine? That was only adventures. Same thing. I just, you know, these people, they're, they're nitpicking or they were fantasying beyond logic um, it was just you, I I got the feeling that these people had the mentality of an 8 year old playing Dungeons and Dragons as a dungeon master yeah well that's because a lot of them were 8 year olds okay <laughs> <laughs> um, well maybe not 8 but you know um, so when you first started out you, you started with modules yes what do you think about their quality of adventure writing? Well, B1 is to teach you. Yes. How well did that teach you? Pretty good. Pretty good. The um, Red Book, uh, going through the adventure for yourself, taught me very well. Um, and all the modules, all the games that were in the Red and the Blue books um, were very interesting. Um, I created some of my own dungeons with them as the background um, and they were fun but I find that uh, where I had the most fun was when I started having my children play and their friends coming over okay uh, and that that would have been when we moved to Citrus Heights right um, but when you were DMing with other people before when you were playing with us, it was all you were doing only modules. Yes. Okay. And only what was in the module. I did not. You didn't tinker with it. I didn't tinker with the module. Um, well, except for like B one because you had to. Yes. <laughs> I had to roll up roll up um, monsters and encounters and all kinds of things. That's as much tinkering as I got at that stage. But um, what did happen was, um, because of that, I learned that I had to write down not only the, char the character's abilities, each one of them, but I also had to write down each and every individual room and what was in that room. And if they came to that room at a certain time, did the thing that was in that room stay? If they missed it, 
or did it come out of the room because it heard noises down the hall? And that was a very, very enlightening thing because if they have a treasure, in reality, they're less likely to leave the room unless they bring the treasure with them. If the treasure's too big to bring with them, they aren't leaving that room. They might call for backup, which a couple of times they did. And they may be dead, but then backup came. And uh, it, it made for interesting game, but more interesting learning experience for the dungeon master. So did you, so you did modules, so that, did you play mostly in dungeons or wilderness or what was the mix? It was mostly dungeons, but you had to do some wilderness to get from one dungeon to another. So that amount of wilderness, yes. It was more of a journey type thing? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, things happen on journeys. Well, yeah. You know, you stick your hand in a plant and it eats your arm off. <laughs> well, there's dinosaurs. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, more about rules. Um, so, we used a lot of house rules when you were playing with us. Boy, did we ever. And I didn't know how many until I started really studying. Um, but I, once I went through and read more of the stuff from Dragon Magazine or the Gazetteer series based on the known world, a lot of the house rules we used were in those other products. So did you take rules from those products or did you develop your own house rules? I mostly, when I read Dungeon uh, Magazine and Dragon Magazine and all those things, um, uh, I would see these rules and I would say, yeah, that's a good idea, but I don't like the way that they're doing it, so let's do it with a little tweak. And it would be almost the same so that everybody who read Dungeon or Dragon Magazine or all the others, um, they would remember something about that rule and would accept it. Yeah. But it wouldn't be what was in the magazine. So you would get inspiration from other sources. Yes. Was there any specific rule you made up on your own just because? Yeah, when I started playing with uh, Cassie's friends, definitely. The rules were coming down faster and I could keep track of them all. And that that's when it started losing interest for me. Because, you know, situations would come up and, I don't know I can do this or not. Example a human being then being cursed to be half human half dragon and wants to be full dragon and how do they then continue to play and i just had problems with that yeah and i don't know i'm glad that that person quit playing soon after right he won't name her. No. <laughs> um, so, also, you said your first character was an elf, magic user, thief. Yes. So, that may have been, except you were playing AD&D. Right. That doesn't make sense for AD&D either. 
Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in in the Holmes book, the you know the blue book, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 basic blue book, not the expert. Okay. Yes. I have it. You've seen it, right? Yes. So with that book, there's a little paragraph in there that mentions you can have any character type or class. Like there, it, it says, it says, oh, you could also elves and dwarves and halflings can also be thieves, and those will be in in future rule books. Right. Um, but then it also says, relating to the character, the half dragon character, <laughs> it also said you can be any creature as long as you start at low level and reach high level. You know, as long as there's a slow progression, you start weak. Right. Um, so that's been in there since the beginning. Yes, it has. But it's kind of frowned on these days. And for good reason. Yeah. Uh, having a half human, half dragon really should not be. <laughs> Fifth edition. <laughs> yes. I mean, half orcs is bad enough. Yeah. Can you imagine a half kobold, half halfling? No, my, my favorite thing is, you're a halfling. Half yes. of what? <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, you definitely aren't a short human. This is why I don't, when I let people be halflings in my games, I don't tell them they're halflings. I tell them they're hin, H-I-N, which is what they're called in the known world. Okay. It, it's in later products, not the original. Oh, okay. Uh, because who's going to call themselves a halfling? <laughs> you know who calls himself a halfling that, yeah. that's stupid it's like in the movie um, Willow everybody calls him a pick but he says he's not a pick he's a he's an Elwin yeah an Elwin and then the Daikinis and, and the the regular sized people are Daikinis yes and they're looked down looked up they're looked upon downwardly by the uh, L1. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Okay. Um, so, can you describe the people you first played with? Who they were, if you remember? Mm. No one was over 17. Um, there was a cheerleader type girl in the group. Um, most of the other guy, most of the guys were uh, jocks, but not jock stars. Um, I think my future brother-in-law was the only one who wasn't a jock, and the other two girls that were there. I think we're just groupies of the of those jocks, and I think the whole get together was a way for my future brother-in-law to actually curry favor with this in crowd. Okay, he was your first DM, right? Yes. And you said he was 15. Yeah, he was 15. So. And he was. It appeared that he had some experience in doing this. Evidently, maybe he brought the, the crew up from first level to whatever levels they were. I know one, the magic user was eighth level. 
how he got killed off so easily, I still don't recall or understand. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, as a 15-year-old dungeon master, how did he DM? Like, what was his style? Hack and slash. There was just a bunch of monsters and you were supposed to kill them all. Yep. Did he... Did he roleplay any of the monsters or what did he do? No. They were all insignificance that would just all of a sudden turn up and you had to fight or die or flee. Okay. Uh, what about the, the second group you played with? Um, the second group I played with uh, they were a little bit more informative about how the game actually worked. And were they close to your age? Yes. The oldest one, I was 26. The oldest one was maybe no, I was not 26. I was 29. This is when you were playing with mom's friends. This is when I was playing with your mom's friends. Um, the oldest one was maybe 28. The others were 25 or so. So, like, those who had been on missions had been home for a while. And um, there was a couple that did not on missions but they enjoyed and they were part of our home teaching or not home te- a family home evening group um, in the singles ward in yeah well it wasn't singles ward it was the young married group at yeah, the church yeah yeah whatever whatever yeah the same thing yeah really <laughs> <laughs> I mean there were there were eight young marrieds in this one ward and all eight couples um, met for family home evening. Yeah. Because out of the eight, there was only one that had family ties in Escondido. So we all kind of groupied together. And one of the big things they liked to do was go out and have pizza, uh, watch Star Trek, um, and uh, um play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, oh, till Battlestar Galactica came out. Oh, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, how long were your game sh- sessions and how often did you play? Most of the time, the sessions were about four hours. And we played, when we were at our peak, we played every other week. So that's okay. okay. So when you first started playing, did you guys use miniatures? No. Or battle mats? No. Um, that was later. Later, as in um, when I got my own group going, that were um, from coworkers. Okay. And that was only to give them a sense of direction so that they could figure out where they wanted to throw their next strike, how they wanted to move their characters, and where the enemy was sitting. But you didn't, you didn't like, buy any miniatures and paint them? No. I just 
you know, drew out little pictures of their characters and, and put them down on the table. And then I had pictures of um, monsters that they might encounter on the size of the room, possibly. Okay. Oh, when you first started DMing, did you fudge the dice, and how often? Uh, first started DMing, no, I did not fudge the dice, and I would roll it in front of them, and they would always be upset. Because when I rolled dice at that time in my life, 20 was common. <laughs> you ever think maybe you had a loaded die? Yes, several times. And we wound up switching dice to prove it. This was with the first group who couldn't believe that someone this new could roll 20s that often. Like being new has to do with uh, what you're rolling. Exactly. Um, oh, so you know that blue set of dice I have? That's, yes. That's from the original 1983 basic set. Yes. Is it did you buy that yourself? I did. Um, I bought that set. Was that the first set you bought? Yes, it was. Okay, so the expert book, the, the green expert book, uh -huh. well, it's green now. It used to be more blue. <laughs> yes. Um, did someone give that to you, or did you buy it? Yes. That? Okay. Uh, that would be Dwayne Hanson gave that to me. Okay. Okay, if you will. So, okay, so... You had the original Isle of Dread and the original Expert book, but then you also had the new, the, the, the later, the revised Expert and revised Isle of Dread. That is correct. You bought those ones? I did. So you bought all the box sets that we have? Yes. Besides the original? The complete box sets. Okay. Because it's actually very rare for other people who play the same edition as us to have the Immortal box set. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I got that because I thought it was going to be um, merely a continuation of everything. When it got to the point where it's actually... It's complete set of new rules? Yeah, the new rules are God worship. Just just be glad you didn't get into the the newer... So they did a... So, you know, they did the rule cyclopedia, which was all of the box sets together except for Immortals? Yes. And then they did Immortals as a separate box set with a special adventure. That I did not know about, but yeah. Just be glad you didn't use those rules, because those rules are worse. I believe it. Because those rules are more in line with AD&D rules with actual gods. They yes. They make the Immortals more godlike and less, you know, less like the Immortals. Yeah. So, when you got the box sets and there was the Immortals, um, how did you view the Immortals in the game? Gods. Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of people in D and D, they have some strange idea that the immortals aren't gods. Uh, they they are. Because um, like Greek, Roman. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Hindu, and Pakistani, which is now considered um, part of the. Um, what is it? Sumer. Yeah. Because because you know. Anyone who's remotely acquainted with, with classical literature, you know, Greek, Roman, whatever literature, right. you'll notice that they interchangeably call the gods immortals and gods. That's correct. You know, 
and how people don't see it is really frustrates me. So I guess that's all my questions for now. Now my thing is with the gods, um, as a Latter-day Saint, you know, those are nice fantasies, but you'd really better stay away from that altogether. <laughs> because I've seen people go off on the deep end on other things. And that's one thing you really don't want to be going off on the deep end on. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was great.